Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my friend and my physio, Ben Humphreys from Results-Based Physiotherapy. How are you, mate? I'm good, brother. How you doing? Doing really well. Thanks, man. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on, mate. Um, we've been trying to tee it up for a little little while, but every time I ask you, you say no. So finally, you've said yes. <laughs> mate, it's more like you're too busy, mate. You're, you're jet-setting around the world with you get, uh, interviewing people from left, right, and center. So I'm glad you've given me, you've given me a shot, mate. Don't fuck it up. Um, all right. So let's get stuck into it, man. I want, I want to ask like a, a bunch of different questions, which I think will add some value to, to the listeners. Obviously, for those that have tuned in, most people have a rough idea of what a physiotherapist um, does and, and what the purpose of their job is. What I wanted to go into today is, I guess, some, some, maybe some problems that you see with, um, with maybe the way that some people are treated, but also some problems that arise that could definitely be um, could be avoided if we just take better care of certain things like in terms of shoulder health and, and maybe hip mobility and all this different type of stuff and glute activation, but we'll, we'll jump into that soon. So the first thing I wanted to ask you, mate, is what's, what's I guess, the number one problem that you have um, with, with clients that come in to see you that you think could definitely be avoided? Uh, it, it's pretty like it depends, right? It depends on who you see, what type of clientele. Are they athletic? Are they old? You know, are they desk jockeys, whatever it may be. Now, I can speak for my clientele and, and, and physiotherapists in general, but the main thing people present to is pain, right? You've got pain, dysfunction, you've got an injury, um, you know, you've got a, a headaches or lower back pain that won't go away, et cetera, et cetera. So the main thing, that presents to us as physiotherapists is, is people in pain and in, in dysfunction. They, um, and then the dysfunction is more on like if, if they've got, let's say they want to go return to footy or something like that. And they've got the recovery coming back from a ACL Rico or some, some surgery that is looking for a pathway to get from A to B, B might be, you know, playing footy. So therefore you got to get them from A to B. But do you want to know specifically what I see mainly like, oh yeah, like I mean, I'll give you an example. So, like for me, any like in terms of poor mobility things for me, I see it almost every day, regardless of whether anyone works at a desk or not. With clients that I work with, is usually just the the um, the good old tight hip flexors, which mm. then usually leads to the anterior pelvic tilt, which usually leads to weak hammies and underactive glutes. So that's a pretty common issue for me, and that's something that I work with work on with a lot of my clients. So, is it like a specific? injury or or tightness or issues that you have that comes up often that you think could definitely be avoided if we were doing x y or z yeah 100 percent. so a, a big one for me like who doesn't have some postural issues going on so mainly conditions relating to the spine so to give you a bit of context i 95 percent of my clientele are you know the mean age of 28 everyone trains upwards of three, three times a week at resistance training or they play a sport or something like that. So my clientele is quite unique to me because the average, I guess, physiotherapy clientele might be somewhere forties or something like that. But even still, these, these people still battle with postural problems. So given our, our generation and, and our usage on, on phones and laptops and all that sort of thing, everyone spends a lot of time sitting a lot of time, 
in shitty postures. Mm. Um, you know, I'm guilty of that. You are guilty of that. Um, so biggest things are lower back pain, stiffness, and then probably some neck, neck stiffness, pain. And often with necks, you can see headaches and that sort of thing as well. So they can be avoided to a point, but again, you got to weigh up the person's sort of working conditions. Now, if you're a, a software engineer and you're required to sit at a desk, like the best you can do is get a stand-up desk. You know, it depends how much effort you want to put into mobility work, trigger ball work, foam rolling, strength and conditioning. Like you can offset your postural sort of damage as best you can, but if the behavior continues and then the outcome is, is the same regardless, you can only mm. sort of mitigate some of those problems that arise from the, the behavior, I guess. What do you think is something that, or what's something that frustrates you with clients that come in? Cause I mean, um, you know, I'll just, I'll continue to refer back to an example in, in, I guess my, um, the clients that I work with to give you a better understanding. So like something that would frustrate me would be me prescribing a certain nutritional, um, goal or, or training goal, hydration, sleep goal, whatever it is. And then the client coming back and obviously not having done it or maybe said that they've done it and they clearly haven't done it. So then you make your job a lot harder. So are there certain things that, um, that you would recommend for people that are trying to get over, say a soft tissue injury or, or a niggle or some information that people just tend to, to, I guess, ignore or, or choose not to do when in actual fact, it could be something that that's super easy that could make everyone's life a shitload easier in regards to these little niggles that most people um, come across at some point in time. Yeah. I'd, maybe when I, when I first started, I used to get annoyed about certain things or, or behaviors or whatever a client might do, but I don't really get annoyed at people anymore. And I know that you're probably in the same boat. It's, it's just the, the way of words of, yeah, I don't get annoyed at it, but like, because at the end of the day, the, the ball's in their court. I'm like, I'm going to give you all the tools you need to get better. I'm going to diagnose the right problem. I'll do a fantastic treatment. But my um, capacity to help is restricted within the four walls that I practice in and then also what I prescribe outside, which might be a strength and conditioning program. So I guess if there was something to be annoyed at or um, I guess to answer your question, it would be or frustrated with it could be a non-compliance with some rehab or something like that. But at the end of the day, I make sure I equip the client with everything they need. So it's their responsibility to do it. And if they don't do it, to do it. Yeah. I'm just like, well, I gave you, yeah, we, we, we worked out what's going on. Uh, you mm. went and you've had your physio treatment. I referred you to whatever practitioner you might have went to. You then had all the strength and conditioning programs. And if the only thing missing here was a uh, compliance or if there was a, a breakdown of communication from myself to you, then that's where the frustration would fall would be just a non-compliance. But other than that, like the type of physio I do, it does it yield result yields results with the, the type of sort of remedial slash physio that we do. So people get better regardless. <laughs> I'd say that the other thing would be maybe when I refer off to like a chiropractor or a sports doctor or something like that, that the person doesn't do it. And then the frustration lies in when they return and say, Hey, this is not better. Not fixed, which, but I didn't which, do which what you asked me to do. Yeah. Which doesn't happen very often. I'm not trying to sound arrogant or anything like that, but the way it's set up is almost I've created that many safety nets that like the client's bound to fall and fall in one of them with the network of health practitioners versus the way we do physio. 
and then the communication strategies if if they don't understand i guess that's my own problem with communication but on that bro i can't really, i'm not really mm. there's not really anything interesting i can say on that one what so so previously in the past like i got you know coming from a sporting background and even just with strength training and stuff like i spend obviously a shitload of time in the gym and training and i just enjoy doing it so i've constantly got something going on and in the past i, I was probably i'd always lean towards more so seeing a myotherapist over a physio because i always found that working with a physio the ones that i'd worked with anyway would treat the actual problem specific problem where the pain is but then the underlying issue would never be addressed and you know surprise surprise you're back there in a few weeks time whereas you know obviously since working with you you and i've been working now together for about a couple of years i think maybe just over two or roughly two years and and i felt i've found that you work a lot more along the lines of like a, a myotherapist where we figure out the root cause of the issue and we not only kind of approach it from that angle but also like you said set up some programs and and rehab um, exercises to make sure that we that we fix the problem so how how do you feel like you separate yourself from your typical physio that's maybe some people that are listening have, have been to in the past and maybe not seen results with yeah that's a good question i i, I do get asked this a lot the, the type of physio that i am i guess i i saw holes in the current sort of model of physiotherapy and I only found those holes through, you know, my own experiences where I would treat someone, um, you know, I I divide physiotherapy into like three components is the diagnostic and ability to to work out what the problem is Two, you have the the treatment phase and then three, you have the the strength and conditioning and rehabilitation, all that sort of shit. So I found that most physios and you could probably vouch for this, usually can diagnose reasonably well, treat very poorly, but three design decent rehabilitation, strength and conditioning programming that can get most people from A to B. But often part two is, is the treatment phase where you, or the manual therapy, the cupping, the needling, scraping, all that sort of shit that, you know, you've done it all. And people who follow you and follow me will know that that's the sort of physiotherapist that I am. So yeah, I guess where where I find that I'm different is that I'm just heavy manual therapy. So I know that certain tissue needs certain attention to get it to be able to, you know, create an inflammation phase, Mm -hmm. which will then trigger a healing response. And without that stimulus, there will be no adaptation unless it's provoked. So I just saw the, why not blend physiotherapy with myotherapy or remedial Mm -hmm. massage therapy techniques to come because I find that, you know, physios are very well educated in anatomy and physiology and decently educated in rehabilitation, all that sort of thing. So why not make like a physical therapist sort of practitioner who can do the whole, you know, A to Z versus just take the client 75% of the way and then go, well, let's get a remedial therapist on board as well, which which is fine mm-hmm. to do. But I'm just like, well, then this is, I guess, where it comes from some business um, business acuity, I guess, is just trying to hybridize what I did and try to make sure I was separate from, I guess, the rest of the people to make sure I get some clients because I had fuck all money and no one one knew who I was. So I had like zero chance of being successful unless I was to develop some alternative, I guess, strategies. Hmm. And, and in the end of the day, it has to work. Like I said, same with any business, you can put together the best marketing, the best sales pitch, the best fucking use the best equipment, best branding, 
But if your product sucks and your service sucks, then in the end of the day, you're still not going to do well. So obviously that's something that had to be taken into account as well. And, you know, you, you do a pretty good job of that, I guess. Um, but uh, <laughs> a lot of people listening, and um, this is a question that I get quite often from my clients. Um, most people that have are tuning into today's episode at some point in time would have experienced some form of niggle or small injury or something that's, that's um, holding them back from being able to train at, I guess, the optimum level. In your opinion, and this obviously depends on what the injury is, so it's, it's a bit hard to generalize, but in your opinion, is it something that when someone does have that, um, that pain response, is it something that should be trained around or trained through in certain ways to keep the muscle or the joint moving, or is it something that should be addressed, rest, and then start to rebuild again, if that makes any sense? Because like, when I was younger, I would just train through every bit of pain that I had thinking that I could kind of work around it. Yeah, whereas you know certain things probably it was probably a good thing whereas others it's completely fucked by my body <laughs> <laughs> yeah like we, we're all been there especially young dudes you think you're invincible yeah. so you just punch through whatever injury you got and just hope that your body bounces back but back to what you're saying before like yeah you can have all the gear and no idea right if you don't have results and you're not getting the outcome or your product's not getting the outcome that the client desires or that you you advertise then it's going to your business is made on a house of cards, bro. It's just going to fall over. Now, going back to that question you just asked them. Yeah, you're right. It depends, right? But for me, it's not like the unknown. There's a lot of health professionals, I believe, will overcomplicate things and make things quite complex and hard to comprehend. But to me, that that sort of is just personifying the, the, the practitioner's um, inability to work out what the problem is. So to be general, it depends on the type of tissue. Basically just throwing a shitload of ideas out there and hoping that one of them is going to be right stick, at some right? point in time. Yeah. Yeah. And like we're, we're in, you and, you and I are in the same business, right? We're in, we're in the business, people's well-being, improving people's quality of life. So therefore the direct outcome of what we do will influence someone's well-being. So mm. I believe that it's very important for us to take responsibility to understand what the problem is that we're dealing with. So then you can put together an appropriate solution to the problem and make sure it's the most effective and efficient solution to that person's problem. Because we're all made of, you know, most of us, two arms and two legs, and we all have very similar anatomy. So therefore we all should um, operate mechanically very similarly so if you understand the body well anatomy well physiology well then you should be able to work out and diagnose all right this is the tissue and this is the injury that is injured and here's the appropriate solution yeah. but back to what you're saying some injuries depends on the tissue that's damaged so like you you've had the fucking you've had all the injuries over the last eight and months that we've been working together you've had um some soft tissue problems and when we talk about soft tissue we talk about muscle tissue um, and also like tenderness tissue, you can have more of a, a harder tissue sort of damage, which could be cartilage or it could be uh, bone damage. Um, ligaments also slip into like more of that hard and soft tissue. And then you can have, um, that's, that's mainly it. You can have like damage to nerves and, and, and other soft tissues such as blood vessels and all that sort of shit. But end of the day, like if it's, a problem that's not going away that should suggest that you've done you know, the injury on the tissue that you've damaged is, is um, a tissue that takes a bit longer to heal. It stays inflamed for longer and that sort of thing. So, so it depends on the tissue that's been damaged. Um, 
muscle tissue, you can usually push through it. But again, depending on um, what's happened. So if you're playing, if you're in the gym training and you've got like a, a quad tear, for example, you can work around a quad tear. You can do different types of variations of quad loading. You can do leg press shit. You can still do like hip thrust. You can still do a lot of indirect loading and without really stirring that up. But if you're talking about a quad tear and you're trying to play footy and, and sprint and kick a ball, then you're going to have mm. no chance at operating at that, you know, 90% or above capacity now if you damage a tendon or a ligament um i guess a tendon's a bit poor it's has a much poorer blood supply so therefore it's going to have a lot a a longer sort of healing time frame so if you damage Mm. a tendon then man if you keep loading that thing it keeps getting worse and worse and worse so chances are that until you stop doing that abusive thing that you're doing you're not going to have a resolution to your problem now if you damage a ligament or cartilage like you did or even any like um like any bone damage then you're usually going to create joint pain or you're going to create some instability around the joint which means you're going to have some structural instability and you're going to have even more chances of like damaging those surrounding structures because of the lack of stability that joint may have because you've uh, damaged some of the surrounding stability so Again, it's very hard to, to determine, but if you break it down into tissue types, I think that's a lot easier way to do things. And then if you look at young person versus a, you know middle age versus old and then the nutritional health of each person, that will determine how quickly someone's going to bounce back from an injury as well. Mm. Yeah, right. Now, I don't know if you get asked this question a lot, but um, I, I guess it's relatively common um, uh, confusion, I would say, as to the, the stretching, like let's say static stretching. When, when, what, what place do you think static stretching has in someone's training? Pre, post, during, not at all. What's, what's your, what's your thought process on that? Because I mean, it's, it's, there's that many. You know, you can, you can do this for any topic really. But if you type it in on online, try and figure out when to stretch, you'll get a fucking answer that that backs up basically any time of the fucking workout any time or uh, no time right yeah so what's uh what's your opinion i think like mobility is warranted for a lot of things if like the way i break it down is if if the if the joint or the muscle has soft tissue restriction which means it's which is uh inhibiting the joint from act from functioning Going properly full or full, full range of motion for that type of um joint you know everyone's built differently everyone has different tissue types you got people who are contortionists and you got people who, who can barely touch their shins when they bend forward so we're all built with different tissue types and therefore you know what is full range of motion to you is might be different for full range of motion to me so i think it's important to understand where your body's at and what you know are you just a t- person who's, who's really tight all the time or are you someone who's just really flexible so I believe you should be giving people mobility work and stretching work when there is soft tissue restriction around the joint. Let's say, um, pre-workout. Yeah. Let, yeah. I, 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 I would say there's a decent difference between let's say mobility stretching compared to stay static stretching. So if we're talking about going in and literally standing there doing a static quad stretch before you go and try and do like a fucking heavy back squat. What yeah. are you like? What, in that regard, what's your thoughts on that? Do you think that should be saved for the end of the workout 
Um, and then you should be putting more emphasis like you're t- touching on now on the hip mobility and ankle mobility um, before the workout. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think because I mean, like, is it? Yeah, I'm. I'm not talking so much about no, no, improving no. the mobility of the of the joint. I'm talking more where, so about where to put it. an actual target muscle stretched before a workout. Yeah, yeah. Well, I believe, I believe you should actually be optimizing the joints full range of motion mechanics before you put it under load. There's there's the thought that you should you know keep everything stiff and tight, especially when you're going to do some compound lifting. You should, um, you know, there's the thought that you shouldn't do any foam rolling or anything like that before you start because you want to make sure things are rigid. But at the end of the day, if you're going to have, you know, tight, soft tissue and you're going to have rigid joints, to me, you're actually increasing your likelihood of getting an injury because you're inhibiting the, the, the tissue's capacity to take load because it might be operating at 85%. Now, if you do a two-minute you know, quad stretch or whatever before you go and load it under a squat. To me, you're not you're not increasing your chances of, of an injury. Now, if you're, as I said, the person who's really stretchy and there's no need for you to stretch beforehand because you can already, you know, optimize and use that joint to its full full capacity, then maybe not stretching would be decent for you. But if you're like maybe like yourself, bro, like you you're sort of sitting in that middle tissue type where you're not too stretchy and you're not too flexible either so that's the optimal tissue type to be in and and for you for example you should do a bit of mobility work and stretching through your soft tissue before you do some training Mm -hmm. so that might mean if you got if you're talking a leg day you go do some some glute stretches you might go do some quad hamstring stretches you might do some calf stretches because as you mentioned before if you're going to get under a squat you need optimal hip mobility and ankle mobility so if you're making sure you're increasing the mobility at the hip and the ankle it means you're going to have less stress going through your back and less stress mm. going through your knees so in that circumstance i think that you should do some 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 light mobility work before you would go into a session mm. but where i actually would put stretching would be more that yoga type stuff and i'd have a separate session throughout the week of stretching like, like you might dedicate yeah, you might dedicate half an hour an hour a week to stretching that will basically put your prime your muscles well so that when you go to train you're going to have optimal range or close to and you might only need fucking a couple minutes stretching versus Mm. heaps so i'm not saying that fuck go stretch your heart out before you go do like your your pr on squatting and deadlifting you end up fucking tearing a muscle yeah you're Um, trying to get more clients you want people to do that so they can come to you mate just make sure you drop some business cards and i'll be right (laughs) But yeah, you should, you should yeah, do yeah. some mobility to optimize muscle and joint function for sure. Is there an exercise that um, that you see, whether it be on social media or whether you've got clients that come in and tell you that they're doing it in the gym, like any specific exercises that you just think are absolute trash and that are super bad for, for like mechanically, um, for joints and for, for tendons and, and all that type of shit that a lot of people are probably doing so let's say for example like i don't know what your thoughts are on this but i i tend to think like a behind the head barbell overhead press can't be good for your neck and i mean i could be wrong but i mean to me that just seems mechanically a bad idea um is there any other is there certain exercises that you see often or or hear about that you think that people should cut out as soon as possible from their training program man like this is going to piss a lot of people off but i've got to look at 
statistics and what I see walk through the door, right? What exercise fucking creates the most amount of injuries? And that would be like barbell squatting, as you said, overhead pressing, shoulder pressing, barbell bench pressing, and then barbell deadlifting. Now, I'm not saying go, don't go do any, don't go and, um, you know, cut those out of your program. But I think that, you know, you would get this right. Like those, those can be quite technical lifts. So therefore there needs a bit of preparation, a bit of technique. You need to learn how to do that shit properly before you actually do it. Mm. But the one that I see injuring the most amount of people would be like a, like a barbell deadlift, bro. That's mm. common to, to injure discs and that sort of thing. So if you don't know what you're doing, you've never done it before. And, or if your PT is flogging you and making you do it and you've got shit house mobility, then yeah, mate, probably steer away from a barbell deadlift and use dumbbells instead. And as you mentioned before, if you haven't got the shoulder range of motion, you've got shit out posture, and then you're trying to barbell press behind your head. Yeah, it's like injury city for your shoulders. It's a lot of excessive load for your neck. And, mate, we're all built with asymmetries as well. So if you're getting under, under a barbell, you, you better make sure you're close to symmetrical and strength right to left limb. And yeah. Like, otherwise, over time, you just build up an accumulative stress and you end up damaging tendons and all that sort of thing yeah it's funny like the the barbell deadlift for example like unless i'm unless i'm seeing a client uh, at least once a week like let's say unless i'm seeing a client a couple times a week for an extended period of time and it's been like a year of training together nine out of ten times even even then i still rarely ever give anyone a conventional barbell deadlift because i've i've seen firsthand that like even with the perfect technique with pretty good mobility and a lot of focus on execution on every rep. I can do a heavy set perfectly and pull up sore through the lower back the next day. So you'd hate to think about how many people are doing it with fucking horrible technique, poor muscle activation and no thought to how, how much, um, you know, execution they're doing on every single rep, how easily it is for someone to injure their back for very little reward too, especially if they're lifting with shit form and, and, fuck all weight or maybe too much head or the weight's too heavy. They're not really getting any reward out of it, but they are putting themselves at serious risk. And, and I see that a lot, like you said, with a lot of the compound movements and another one that I find is, is, is super common and just fuck so many people up is the barbell bench press. Because fuck again, I'm, I, I can really, I can really like getting close to it now, but I can't really get in a perfect position to do a barbell bench press and touch the bar on my chest without getting some form of like anterior delt and shoulder mm. recruitment to the point where it's, it's putting a lot of load through my tendons and I've in the past this experienced so much. So now like I really do what I do with the slight incline, maybe slight decline, predominantly use dumbbells, um, switching out a lot of these exercises where in the past they would have been like the go-to exercises for chest. Because the thing is, and I talk about this all the time is that it's not the bench press. Your, your head doesn't go, fuck yeah, he's doing bench press. I'm going to make his chest huge. Yeah. It's it, your body understands that it's like a muscle is under load. It, it's provided the stimulus that needs to give it a reason to change. Doesn't know what exercise you're doing. So I try and teach people about movements instead of exercises. So even the squat, for example, I know plenty of people that just hate squatting. So why do it? Especially if you're not trying to be a fucking power lifter, like go in and yep. do something else. that's going to put the muscles under load and give you the same result, which is enjoyable and not going to risk injury. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating. It's probably one of the, that's probably a frustrating thing for me. I reckon actually is just seeing how many people don't put any thoughts to exercise selection. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, and is your frustration is not aimed at like the client? It's aimed at no, the, no, fucking, no. the PT or the coach or the physios designing these programs. Even the I coaches think- and the physios and the and the trainers out there, it's like there's there's just um, and that's why I do these podcasts as well. It's just too much Incom- shitty information out there. Bro, it's fucking everywhere. Yeah, too much shitty information out there that uh, that just too many misconceptions. And like I said, there's evidence for and against fucking basically everything. So. It's about trying to find the right source of information and, and, and a reliable one and actually sticking to it. Yeah. What, um, yeah, before, I mean, like, before we, what you raised before. Is the... Sorry. I think, I think we might start lagging a bit, but that's all right. You go. Uh, you, I reckon you touched on the, one of the main things like this, especially where from a, a physio's perspective is the risk to reward ratio on, on each exercise. Like, as you said, like if you load up and do a barbell squat, it's compressing the fuck out of your spine. You got terrible hip, hip mobility you've got no ankle dorsiflexion um you've got some you know ongoing knee problems it's just like mate why do a squat when you can go do a lunge or you can go do a single leg press or you can go do, jump on the leg press or you can go do some hip thrust or some shit like that like mm. you've got to weigh out the risk to reward and as you said if there's shitty program design and and you've got incompetent people by designing your programs and calling the shots then bro you're gonna get injured man it's, it's good for me because i get plenty of people come through the door but it's not good for the client or the pt who's got the injured client who leaves them because they're injured and before i got my before i got my knee done last year my surgeon this is like throughout COVID, and uh you probably remember but like i found out i needed surgery and then we had to wait like two months because elective surgery was closed but i remember he said to me he was just like um he he goes because I can't, he goes, I can't wait until um, COVID's done so everyone can go back to footy and start doing their knee again so I can start working. <laughs> I said, what a dog. <laughs> <laughs> what a dog. Um, all right, before we wrap things up, man, just for those listening at the moment that may be in the same field as you, like any physios listening, because I'm assuming we'll get um, a fair few physios tune in or even a- anyone in that field, you know, remedial, um, myotherapist, whatever. What, in terms of the business side of things, what have you found um, has given you the most success in regards to generating leads, building clients, retaining clients? Um, and, and I guess, like you said before, like starting out when you've got no, for those, most people that are tuned in at the moment won't have uh, some huge following or anything like that and, and aren't going to be able to just fill up their client book straight away. So what is it, what's some strategies that they can start to use to, to help build up their client base and retain them as well, which is super important? You got to get Danny Kennedy and the plugy on his Instagram. <laughs> no shit, obviously. <laughs> aside from that, <laughs> no. oh, bro, like you know, like business is a whole new game to what your bloody profession is. So, if you want good clients, a and you want good retention, be good at your job, produce the results. You know, all that. It goes without saying that if you deliver on the client's expectations, so that mm. goes without saying. Um, but from the business end, it's a whole new game. So I think that you've got to be able to market yourself well. You've got to A, get the results and B, make sure you're promoting that about yourself. So one big thing I did, and I've shared this openly a thousand times, is I use influencer marketing. So I get you know people in like yourself and, and we're now friends, um, but plenty of amateur and professional athletes I've worked with instagram influencers whatever it may be i'm like i reach out i say hey how's it going my name's ben you know everyone's got an injury everyone has pain everyone's got a sore back or sore neck so pain is doesn't discriminate so you you reach out to these people who might have some leverage in the area that you want to be in 
Um, you do a cheeky little contra deal, make sure everyone's clear of the terms and conditions. You get other people to plug you. What I would normally do is sponsor people or I'd um, do a couple of sessions where I go, well, in exchange for the treatment, can you plug this content, whatever it may be, make sure the content looks good because no one wants to put shitty content on their page. Let's say someone like yourself, you're not going to, if we just record some dog shit content and I'm like, Danny, can you put this on your Instagram? And you're like, Oh bro. Yeah. It doesn't look good or it's not aesthetic. Mm. You know, it's, it's not likely to yield many much engagement. So like you'd be unlikely to, to go ahead with that continuously. So influencer marketing is one thing. Um, and just, you gotta, um, you gotta not be afraid to operate where people aren't. So you gotta be, you know, diversifying your service to a point where, you know, not everyone's doing it. And if you are, if you are doing it, make sure you're the, the best at it and everyone, everyone knows you're the best at it. So best thing is marketing well, bro. Marketing well, once you got your, your craft down pat. And mm. the biggest thing for me was influencer marketing and just knocking on as many doors as I could. Like you don't, you don't get, if you don't ask, if you don't ask these people to come in, they're not going to turn up on your front door. Um, so yeah, make sure people know who you are. Yeah, one thing I'll add to that before we wrap up as well is obviously you take you take care of this because you're extremely good at what you do. But the the tricky part about the fact that business is the is a whole other aspect to it, the marketing and everything is a whole other aspect to it. I think now, like these days, people are so caught up in the marketing side of things that they lose track of what their actual craft is. Mm-hmm. So people will become a fucking unbelievable marketer, but all of a sudden they're not getting their clients' results or they're not you know, continuing to upskill and learn in their actual craft. So yeah, you're fucking really good at marketing. Um, but like for me, for example, like, uh, like I don't hate it cause I understand why I would get referred to as this in some way, I guess, even though it's a bit ridiculous, but if someone says to me, king, like, well, you're the king, no, someone, yeah, well, I get that a lot, but I mean, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, if someone says like, um, you know, you're an influencer, a social, social media influencer or something like that, like, the thing that I don't like about that is that I always kind of correct people and say, well, no, I'm a, co- I'm, a tra- I'm a trainer. I'm a coach. I use my social media to provide content, provide value and, and build my business. But I'll, I'm always a trainer first, like always a coach first because that's what I want to be. I don't want to be known as a marketer or a social media influence. I want to be known as someone who, who helps people achieve their goals through health and fitness. And to do that, you need to continue to upskill and learn and be the top of your game and master your craft. So Absolutely. It, like you said, it's only getting harder and harder. You got to keep my fucking learning heaps yeah, of new shit with marketing and in your business. But if you can do it and you're willing to put in the work, then it'll do well. So you've been doing awesome, man. Congrats. And, um, and thank thanks. You, thank you for um, your time today. And um, I'm sure I'll be seeing you very soon. But for those um, who have enjoyed today's episode, or just want to see more of Ben's content. If you don't already follow him, I'll have the links to his um, social media and, and website and stuff in the show notes below. Um, so thanks man mate you're a legend thank you very much much appreciated guys if you have enjoyed today's episode we'd love for you to take a screenshot and share it on your story for us as soon as possible tag us boys we'd love to get your feedback